Today's show is sponsored by Brooke Lennon. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Movement. Movement doesn't just make great watches. They also make sunglasses, too. Get 15% off a new pair of sunglasses at mvmt.com slash bcpod. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one. Jesus is alive. He's alive. Bad Christian Podcast. All right. We alive. Guys, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Joey, how are you feeling? I'm back on my meat-only diet, and that feels great. I'm on a new diet, too. I've been on it since uh, four days now. Are you meat-only? What, no beer and Twinkies? (laughs) (laughs) You you burn! (laughs) Burn! (laughs) Holy shit! (laughs) What are you on, Toby? Uh... I tell you what, I am. I ain't on that cocaine. <laughs> I ain't doing no cocaine no more. I ain't doing no cocaine no more. Woo! I'm high on life. I'm doing uh. So Devin and I did a song rescue show. And we hung out with the Crenshaws, who are in the BC Club, and they're cool. And uh, Abby Crenshaws uh, has skin issues, like I do. Say so her first and low- last name, and that she has skin issues on the podcast. That's a good idea. <laughs> Talk well, about her diseases. I, I say my Breaker, name and I have skin issues. I'm just treating her fairly. Medical <laughs> a lovely lady. Very talented artist. Check her out, Abby Crenshaw. But uh, she's on a low histamine diet because it, I, you know, histamines affect me. So I'm trying a low histamine diet, which seems pretty similar to like paleo, low carb. But I can eat like quinoa and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm doing mostly meat and then I'll have some rice, some quinoa. You can't I, have I what? Eat, what are the histamines in? Grains? Like yeah, wheat. They're, they're in all kinds of stuff. It's just, I mean, it really is. I mean, they show up in all uh, veggies too, like tomatoes and all kinds of stuff. And and so basically what I'm trying to do is eliminate a bunch of stuff and then slowly add things back and just see what I can eat. But I really do enjoy it. Now, also, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm going all the way on this. I've started waking up earlier. Like instead of getting up about 6.30, I've been getting up at 5.30 a.m. And I do like the Wim Hof breathing mm-hmm. exercise and stuff. I don't know if y'all know Wim Hof or not, the Iceman. Check him out. Um, and then I also do some meditation in the morning. Uh, and I try to read in the morning, too, and just try to uh-huh. really start my day. And it's funny. Like I was doing meditation. A lot of times when I do meditation, I just think trying to focus either on my breathing or something really simple. Or I, sometimes I even do like the om thing or something like that. Or I or I try to say a word or a thought. And so lately it's been on like just peace. I was just thinking peace. Like I was thinking forgiveness, but forgiveness is even wrapped up in peace. So it's been kind of good. I feel maybe a little what bit more in your, settled in, in, in meditation. You're do what? Your it's like your theme song, like your phrase, the phrase that pays. What is your own? What is it called? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't. Do I don't follow things all the way through. I just know kind of about <laughs> No, but you know it's like your motto. Like what is that? There's your a word mantra. For that. Mantra. There you go. Yeah. You were close. Yeah. You were close, this. my friend. Your motto. <laughs> yes, your motto. It's your yoga motto. But that's it, it, it is good. Pays, I think it's actually so. good and helpful. Like I'm I, the stretches and uh breathing and all that stuff really does kind of set me up 
to start my day better, which is really, really good. So I've, I've been feeling it's only four days. So who knows tomorrow I'll probably be able to do it and no alcohol, of course. And so, and that's what sucks. I was thinking about alcohol. The thing that really sucks about it is I guess I can't drink. It doesn't really give me, um, that much health benefits and I'm addicted to it. So <laughs> it's not the health so benefits like, are not, it sucks. not very high. If I wasn't You're an addicted alcoholic, to, I didn't say that. He just said he's addicted you, you call to a, drinking you, alcohol. I mean, you, how, so even what? if so, you don't say anything bad about uh chocoholic. Oh, I'm, yes, I I'm addicted to chocolate. You don't think they're terrible. They yeah, eat about as someone much. Ad, someone addicted to chocolate is, can kill themselves with it. If they, if they drink enough chocolate, I mean, eat enough chocolate and drink enough chocolate you milk, they it. could die. You could die from it. I'm just saying I'm addicted in a way where I'll enjoy it. Yeah, gotcha. I you started I mean? Slim Fast. Y'all remember that? The milkshake? Oh, God. The- Is it working? <laughs> no, I don't do Slim Fast. No. Nope. Well, that's a super good joke, though. Wow. <laughs> Man, you are. Praise the Lord for that joke. I mean, that was just me. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I you know had money. Slim Fast, you had do, Dream do Alert. No, I don't want to remember anything. I'm not trying to remember It's not true. I'll tell you, I, I've been working on my worship. <laughs> Toby, we're, you're not <laughs> in the middle you? of something. I don't know where we're at. Well, been, was, my idea watching. about beer is I, I have a new theory about beer. Do you know how uh, Anheuser-Busch actually does own Miller Lite, Coors Light, and Bud Light, right? Uh, all, they're heavy beers, too, like Budweiser and all that stuff. So... Many years ago, before uh, they went, uh, before it owned all of them or whatever, uh, we used to like Bud Light a lot. Like, remember, we did like taste mm-hmm. tests and everything, Matt. We were Bud Light. Drinkers. I was solid Bud Light for years. You were yes. totally Bud Light. And I was just like, uh, out of nowhere, I think it was right after um, the, the, when the can changed for Miller Light, that kind of got me. And then I just started thinking, oh, I like Miller Light way better. And it was probably maybe even around the time Anheuser Bush took it over or whatever. But anyway, the definitely the visual helped. But I just started really liking Miller Lite. Now, fast forward probably two or three years, I, I drink a lot of Miller Lite. Um, it it's changed. The taste has changed. And now I've started where I was like, oh man, I'm starting to like Coors Light better. Oh, maybe I'll just start drinking Coors Light. And I tried it. And then uh, when we were on vacation, uh, we went to Olive Garden, which I love. It was nice. so good. Um, <laughs> Actually You're killing everybody talking about drinking light beer and eating at Olive Garden on your vacation I know. special meal. Right you know what's now. so funny? On vacation, You're not making that was it up. Dream day. You're killing everybody. Right <laughs> now. We, we went to Olive Garden. I drank a big old Bud Light and we went bowling. And I promise you, I couldn't have been more satisfied and happy. I promise you, it was amazing. All I'm telling you, everybody would like that. They just oh oh, give me a craft beer and I want to go see a spoken word poet in downtown Something with Atlanta. A high Yelp review for Italian. Boo. I know. I'm, no, I mean we tour did. Of Italy we ate, at Olive Garden. I mean we ate at some <laughs> independent restaurants that were cool, but we just had it. My mom got us a gift certificate, and I was so happy <laughs> that we got to go to Olive Garden. We don't. I don't. I, there's not an Olive Garden in Franklin, which makes me sad. Anyway, so I tasted that beer and I was like, oh my god, Bud Light is amazing now it's really and i have a theory that i think anheuser-busch is testing changing the flavor putting different beers in different cans to see if you actually notice or is it <laughs> see just if you notice uh, like it's just a goof no just to see if if uh advertising and marketing how important that is because they mm-hmm. had the big thing with uh miller light changed its can it was that ugly can you remember yeah, it, it used to be dark horrible, blue yeah. and and gold yeah, or whatever and if so then eventually i think anheuser-busch is it's almost like a monopoly 
Yeah. It'll just be one recipe and they'll all be the same and you'll think they're different just because it looks this way. Well, I've not heard of this as a conspiracy theory or anything, but I will tell you if they're doing what you're saying they're doing, and I do believe that Bud Light tastes different to me than it used to, but Uh if there are a big monopoly and powerhouse and trying to do stuff, here's how it probably goes logically. And I don't find this to be a conspiracy. It's fine for them to do this. I think they would basically, if you owned all the beers, okay, so say you didn't own all the beers. They're all independent companies. They're all trying to be literally the best one that outcompetes the other and in the version of light beer. But if you owned all three brands, you now have the ability, three major brands, you have the ability now to cater to three different groups and, and win with each group, basically. So you market and change your recipe to get one third of the crowd versus having to go with the, you know, Coors, Miller, and Bud all competing to show the same thing. They get to have the variety and try to cover everybody. And so it would make a little bit of sense for them to vary their recipe and get the people that like the down-home Miller this or the new whatever douchebaggy people like sweet beer or whatever that is, you know? Like they can cater to that with with the Bud Light or whatever it is. I do think they probably monkey with the recipes and stuff like that, but I don't know if that's bad. It's probably still a good thing, right? You just got to yeah, find the no, one you that, like. That's what I'm saying, but I, but I think they have the power to do that. And my, my fear is eventually all light beer will just be one recipe and you won't even know. Yeah. And so there's, <laughs> no, there's not going to be different. There won't be different ones, on, at least owned by the major company. I mean, that, that is the three biggest beers probably in the world. What, well, Coors, uh, Bud Light? Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying they would yeah. all be different instead of uh, – they might become more d- unique. No. No, because why would you do that? It's way goals. cheaper just to put on a picture, a different picture on a can, than actually work on a killer recipe that nobody, <laughs> that you, you might not even it. know. I mean, people take like Domino's Pizza took a big chance changing the recipe. It did work, I think. Like I thought their pizza did improve, but I'm saying it's a big chance to me- screw around with recipes and all that. But they don't they, advertise that they do it. It's right. not. It's not something so to be right proud now, of in I, beer to say. Well, I we just, keep changing the recipe, and y'all don't believe me, and you would say, "Oh, well, uh, maybe you just got it because it was draft beer, Toby, or you, it, could it?" <laughs> Maybe Reva just said that earlier. When I was mentioning well. it, she said, oh, and it's not just you. That's the first thing Reva said when I said this, as if I'm a fool for thinking that any corporation could maybe manipulate <laughs> you. I'm a fool, aren't I, Reva? Go ahead. Hey, let me let me ask y'all this. If, I, if you guys were in Charleston and I told y'all that I'd been messing around with, with uh, brewing beer and um, – I was I, certain you were going to say oh, another woman because you always go to sex after we talk about stuff. <laughs> there was no chance. I was messing around with another woman is what another I was. Another beer. So anyway, I would have bet, bet my entire life savings on it. If if I have you know this like glass bottle and looks homemade and everything, and I pour you guys some beer and it's actually Budweiser, do y'all mm-hmm. think y'all'd be like, wow, that's that's actually not bad, Joey. That's pretty good on your first you know uh, first stab at it. Or would you be like, it tastes just like Budweiser? No, I'd, it'd be amazing if you did that. That'd be phenomenal if you yeah, if you good. made a beer that was good. I mean, that I, I think that's what, how people end up doing it. Like, I, w- I don't think I would go, oh, no, you made Budweiser. Right. I'd be super happy. Well, light beer is in the same ca- category as McDonald's. And, and, yeah, I suppose Olive Garden and other things that you're supposed to pretend like you don't like or even make yourself not like or actively avoid even trying because it's you look bad for liking it. It's just so much social credit and... Signaling for being that's against stupid. light beer and McDonald's and, and all that stuff, but that's just the way people are, you know. They, people that think Applebee's is like no good, it's mm-hmm. like 
how can you even think that? But I will say well, this about you get Applebee's. social Applebee's. credit for dis- for making fun of Applebee's. You earn something. So who cares? Maybe right. you don't like the riblets. Fine. Maybe McDonald's has amazing fresh, never frozen beef in some of their stores now that you can get a couple of patties of, and it's amazing. But maybe you're better off to avoid that, so you get the social credit of getting to make fun of McDonald's. Whatever yeah. your choice. It is crazy though. I have noticed that restaurants that used to be something like when you go out it's like super special i and priscilla teases me like crazy but when i was in high school if you took a girl out to applebee's that was really awesome <laughs> like right. chicken finger see, basket funny. Like, that man, serves 100%. as a punchline and so yeah. it's worth it's worth it to avoid yeah, the food to get to make fun of it or so here it, well hold on here's, here's what's happened is it's happened. like a good 15 years ago, Applebee's, Ruby Tuesdays, O'Charlie's, and all these restaurants, they've definitely, you know, people look at them, they scoff, and they're just like, oh, yeah, the quality's gone down, all that stuff. Well, now it's the next batch, like Olive Garden, Outback, um, and those sorts of restaurants. You can tell the quality has gone down. It still tastes good, but now, uh, what's what's the uh, Italian restaurant? It starts with a C, Carabas. I was so shocked. Um, a couple of years ago when I went to Carabas and their quality is going down. So it, 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 it does go down, but it just still tastes good. Yeah. You know, is. you know, one quality that never goes down and it's our good friends at movement. Oh, oh my gosh. No doubt. I'm telling you, I've said this a million times and I am, I swear to you, these are the best sunglasses I've ever had. They're phenomenal. They're, they're my favorite sunglasses. I love their watches. I have two of their watches. I feel cooler and better. Everything about movement is just so solid. The the quality never goes away. It is awesome. And spring is right here. It's right around the corner, in fact. And Movement is dropping all new sunglasses uh, to get you ready for the warm weather. Seriously, there's all kinds of different styles. I mean, it, it's just amazing because you look good. You feel good. It protects your eyes from that old harsh sun. It's just so cool. I love having my sunglasses because mainly just the protection of it being bright and I can't see in the brightness. Sometimes it's funny. I'm getting older and my eyes are getting worse. And I, if I don't have my sunglasses, I'm sometimes I walk out into the sun and I think, Oh, I'm, I look like a weirdo that's walking strange. Like, you know how when you come out of a movie or something? I do that if I'm walking out of a grocery store now. If it's really a, a Toby's sunny Toby's big day. on sunglasses, so, no doubt about uh, it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, the problem with sunglasses, though, is, is every time you buy a good pair, they're like $200. And, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, what? how can you spend that much money? I mean, I want to have great-looking sunglasses. I want them to be awesome. But... Spending unreal amounts of money is just not the way to go for me. And you know it's not the way to go for you. These are high-quality, premium acetate frames. No cheap plastic here. you got to see them. Seriously, they have lots of styles to choose from. Classic, trendy, round, aviator, mirrored, polarized. For him, for her, they have everything you need there. All you got to do is go to Movement. So you get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash bc. P-O-D. Right. Go to com slash B-C-P-O-D. Get that 15% off today. Thank you, Toby. Now, Toby, Joey texted me the other day if we're going to talk about conspiracy theories of Bud Light, Domino's Pizza, Olive Garden, <laughs> and stuff like that. Joey's on the – and, I, you know – Joey's on this other train hey. now where he's about to – it sounds like to me, Joey told me something along the lines of he watched – Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos, and he what? now believes in the conspiracy theory of evolution. You watched something, the enemy? something like that. The enemy. <laughs> Y'all know what's crazy is 
up until watching this series, his name his name was just a name to me. I didn't know what the guy looked like. I didn't know anything about him. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, I've heard of him, Never heard of but him. I don't know anything about him. See, you guys, you guys give me flack. Y'all say that I don't like science. I've always liked science. I just don't know a whole. You just lot don't about believe. It. You just it's can't true. name the most famous person that advocates for science in America today. I agree. I know. No, but it's Never heard it's it. crazy. Like here's so I've watched like the first two or three episodes. And I will say the two big things that I've come away with, and I've, I got some other things I want to add here. First of all, I How can't help but to worship can you my Lord and, and what Savior Jesus done. Christ while I'm watching this stuff because <laughs> it really does. I'm like, like it puts no, you in a spiritual. <laughs> there's no, yeah, I got to find some way to worship, but there's no way there can't be a God. But here, here's, here's hang the thing on, Joey. Is, let me ask you though: Can you name how many scientists can you name and what they did? Um, well, you have Thomas and Ed, Thomas Edison. He, uh, yep. he invented the old light bulb. You have, um, Alexander Graham Albert, Bell, Albert Einstein. He, what did he do? Oh my gosh. It's just the theory of relativity and, go. uh, the Tesla bomb and, um, anyway, Kepler, <laughs> um, what I Kepler just go do? on and on. <laughs> he created the, the, the Kepler Sindronos. <laughs> So here, here's the thing is, I used to not really care. Uh, like, it was just an interesting debate, old universe, new universe, and I used to not care, and I used to be like, eh, I see both perspectives. But yeah. I definitely see old universe as it's like back in the day when everybody thought, oh, everything revolves around the earth. You've read the Bible. That's what the Bible says, too. And now we realize, no, 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 no. Either those guys are wrong or we're reading it wrong. Bottom line, we all know the earth is tiny in the universe and we're, you know, revolving around one tiny little star as well. Um, I think old universe, new universe, it falls in the same category and everybody just hasn't caught on yet, I guess. Or, or I'll say like a lot of fundamentalist Christians, they haven't let go of that one. But I'm definitely old universe for sure and it is yeah. so fascinating to think of the universe being that old and here's what so you believe the, the universe clicked. is four billion years old yeah here's what here's the what finally clicked. here's here's what finally clicked for me or so is talk i first of all i didn't i understood i thought i understood natural selection like if you're a shorter giraffe you can't reach the food up at the tree and so you eventually die off and all the long neck uh, giraffes survive and then you have long neck giraffes so i didn't know there was like actual genetic uh genetic uh, mutations that cause like a white bear and then eventually you have a bunch of polar bears because they can get their prey easier because they're camouflaged in the ice age and all that stuff i didn't know about the uh genetic mutation but evolution finally clicked based on the billions and billions of years that it had time to evolve like it just clicked i was like wait a second if if a grizzly bear can evolve to like a polar bear in you know hundreds of thousands of years then what about billions and billions of years now here's the thing that excites me is it the last thing that i think of is oh yeah no need for god now i i just don't see how we can't include god into what dna is it's like a written language i don't understand how anybody can leave god out of that the francis collins book about it is called the language of god which he references to his dna and he's the guy that was in charge of the funding for the human genome project for uh, that did all that so anyway yeah yeah and then uh i definitely the the origin of the universe to, to me i know that science isn't claiming to have figured that one out but i'm just like let's just let's just 
call it God already. I mean, it, you don't even have to say it's a personal God, but some, it, there's just no way that stuff is explainable. So I think that God, I, and, and I, I will say I'm still kind of on the fence with uh, all the different stuff about evolution, but it's more I don't understand uh, than anything. You find it but less here, threatening than you used to at least? Uh, nah, it's been less threatening in the last couple of years, I mm-hmm. guess, with some of the guests that we've had on here, but that's just so exciting. It clicked. I was like, I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around a billion years. Like I, I, that is just so fascinating. A billion years. But Matt, I had a question for you. I hear people say this stuff all the time. Like, um, most species that are around nowadays are not even discovered. Well, if they're not discovered, then how do we know they're not? How do we know that they're there? That doesn't make any well, sense. Well, I, I mean, that I don't know what you're talking about. Except most for, species out there, mm-hmm. most species of living things have not been well, discovered. That that include. I mean, basically, that mean most of those are going to be single cell type shit. Like, okay. Does that help you? Get, I don't know but, the quote but, you're talking but about. Bottom line exactly. is, how do we know they haven't been discovered? If we haven't discovered them. Because they're easy to discover them new. If you go deep in the rainforest, you'll find tons of stuff we've never seen before. And you'll find, if you go far down in the ocean, which we've only explored single-digit percentage of, you'll find a bunch of weird little things. They're, they're only slightly different than the things we know about, but nonetheless, they're a separate species that cannot interbreed. And you go, oh, it's like a minnow, but a different kind of minnow we didn't know about. Okay, it's not, it's not like these weird aliens that you're talking about. Okay. And most of gotcha. them are single-celled anyway. That may, maybe that would explain away the quote you're talking about, which I don't have to reference but that's gotcha. I guess. so so matt someone who knows a, a billion times more about science you don't than have I to do, say something like, like that what joey doesn't what understand do you billions. think about dna <laughs> what do you think one times more than him <laughs> what do you think about dna in regards for to whether whether or not there's a god like do you it, pro- it disproves you, god clearly it disproves god clearly the existence of dna disproves god yeah let's move yeah. on there's no way obviously there's no way right. god could be real what is DNA. your question sorry no my my question is does does there's that no even way god make can be sense real with what NWA. Sa- does that even make sense what i'm saying on such a surfacey uh perspective that dna is a written language that doesn't just evolve like you don't just oh, evolve it did language evolve, huh that did evolve and it yeah, does without evolve. a god though is what i'm saying well, i don't know Okay, you don't I mean, know, I, I but don't know. isn't it very unlikely? I, I don't even care. Like well, it's not it like ooh, I, need I don't this know what to pay. tell you other than it got uh, that way. It got down. that way somehow. I don't know. There, I mean, there was some guy that Joey I, I had heard his name before, and he watched one episode of something that changed his whole belief system. <laughs> no, but okay, <laughs> that's so a bigger question way, Joey. here. Okay, don't let Joey watch anything, or else he will. Be- you, Chris Date comes on, he immediately gives up hell. I mean, what? I mean, it, all all you need is somebody else to tell you something. And yeah. you'll believe it? No, okay. What are you talking so, about? So think you about gave this up way. That short, you used to definitely believe in uh, Young Earth, for sure. You're a Young Earth person. You watch a Neil deGrasse Tyson TV I show. I just told you that I have been, uh, like, I <laughs> haven't cared all years. this time. I've, I have not been leaning towards Young Earth. Whatever. I understand, Joey. But so what your question is, is yes, you're you just have. basically all I hear you doing is scrounging for, but surely there's a, a place for God to be there. And, I, and there, I don't, there very I well don't need be. that. My, my belief in God is based on right. I can't shake my experiences. Right. I'm just saying it, I can't understand DNA outside okay. of a God. But let me give you an example. Okay. Intelligent design. Okay. So intelligent design or creationism or, well, God made the DNA, whatever. I'm not. You know, I don't need to knock those things or refute them. They're not. 
I believe in God. I'm, I believe he's involved in all this shit. Whatever it is, however he got here, I believe he, he's involved, okay? However, that ain't science, and there's nothing to do with that information. It doesn't help. Science is a, a, a tool that humans have that somebody makes up hypothesis does a test and then once it's validated we can use it to make predictions about the future to validate whether it's true or be falsifiable and saying god made dna some at some point there's nothing to do with that information it's not useful to help do genetic research on cancer for instance well then what you're also saying is that science has limitations it cannot evaluate anybody nobody is silly enough to not say that it could of course only do what's natural it's the study of natural things so it speaks zero to supernatural yeah but the the only problem don't don't scoff at that too quickly a lot of people would say if it's not science it's not real if science can't measure it then it's not real that's not true but, a lot of people would say that. Well, that's, that's a silly thing to say. Anyway, okay. but check this out. There is a trend here if you kind of pay attention. Now, things that we believe are mysterious at their core are usually, eventually, explainable. And that we go, oh, sorry, we thought that was the magical, mis- mysterious God part, and now we understand it. Fire would be an example of that. They had all these theories about fire, like that it was not of this world, that it's this whole other thing, way before we had science on it. And they even came up with what they a theory at the time called phlogiston, and it was this very, very circular, silly thing that didn't actually explain anything or make any predictions, but it was like, oh, the fire comes from this, and it explains this, and it explains this, and eventually some scientists discovered that whenever there's a fire, the amount of oxygen, which they thought was supernatural or something mysterious at its core, but like you think DNA is to this day because you can't say how did life ever really start in the primordial soup or whatever. Maybe that's mysterious. Maybe that's where God came in. Maybe it's the Big Bang where God, I don't know, whatever. But the point is, typically, stuff that seems mysterious to us, eventually you have a breakthrough and you go, oh, well, that's explainable. That doesn't mean there's no God. Of course it doesn't mean that. But you yeah. shouldn't be afraid for the... DNA to be explained naturalistically. We did the same thing I'm not with fire. Of we that. Did, I know you're I just not. said I wouldn't I'm speaking it. broadly. Same with the heliocentric universe. We thought that uh, the Earth was the center of the universe, and then we thought it was oh, it's the sun, and then now we know it's not even the sun itself, but it's beyond that. That's Galileo, and then of course the Christians tried to run him out of town and attack him and say he was doing heresy and all this other stuff. Once it makes sense, it's no no longer mysterious. So there's no yeah. reason to think that things that that say okay, but that's mysterious. Well, it is for now. Yeah, it might not hey, be in the future, and there's nothing to worry about there. Before we go to our guests, I will add one more snippet here is I just thought it was so crazy. As a fundamentalist Pentecostal boy, anytime I heard the name Carl Sagan, it was always like Satan, Hitler, (laughs) Carl Sagan. And they did like a little five-minute biographical sketch on Carl Sagan. I was like... That's a pretty cool guy. That what awesome. was that all about? What was all that Satan Hitler stuff? It was crazy because Carl insane. Sagan, in my mind, always represented bad and evil yeah. and anti-God. Now, I mean, we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I will point out, and you might want to think about your children and their upbringing if it matters to you, and you can take from this what you want. But I didn't experience it. I feel very happy that grow and we talk about all the time we have this conservative upbringing and that's kind of the background of this podcast but my family was liberal presbyterian christians and my parents were real big into science i mean i watched stephen hawking's movie when i was a kid 
like nine years old and couldn't unglue myself from it. And my mom, yeah. I, apparently my mom rented that from pick a flick said, watch it. And I, you know, <laughs> so you, that tells you something about her parenting choice. And Carl Sagan's always been a hero to me. That right. my, you know, gosh, so. that's so crazy. It really is. So we yeah. liked Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood video. All right. All right. Let's bring on our guest, Jamie, Wright, The very worst missionary. It's going to be good. She's got a new book out. It's going to be cool. Okay, well, I will tell you about Brooklinen while we get, have her. You can give her the link, Toby, or yep, whatever if she's ready to go. She's not on the call yet, is she? No, I don't see her yet. Not but yet. so while we're getting Jamie pulled up here, I will tell you about Brooklinen, which are the best sheets that I've ever had. Um, there, it's think about it this way: you spend a third of your life in the bed. Now, I do for sure. I actually get a full eight. I got kids, and sometimes I have to get up and give them a milk, or you know, they have a bad dream, but. I do make time for my sleep, and I really do spend eight hours a day in my bed. And so I do think it's very important to have both a good mattress, pillow, sheets, somebody good to share your bed with. I recommend if you can swing that too. But brooklinen.com, they have the best, most comfortable sheets with no big markup. So you can upgrade your nightly routine, and you can help. it'll help you feel more well-rested every day. I think those effects compound. So I would take your... Uh, Sheets, seriously. This company was founded in 2014 by a husband and wife team. Their name is Vicky and Rich Fulop. Their philosophy is the most beautiful, comfortable home essentials and no crazy prices. So there's no unnecessary markups and fees. And I'll tell you this, most bedding is marked up as much as 300%. So that's nutty. Brooklyn is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world. Over 15,000 five-star reviews. They uh, the sheets won. They're the winner of the best online betting category. So if, if there are other you know online betting, don't get them. Get the one that won the award for the best one. Versatile colors and patterns, and you can mix and match to complement any decor because that can be important too. My sheets are the most comfortable ones I've ever slept on, and brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer for our listeners. That's get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. They're so confident that they can offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use our promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Jamie, welcome back All to right. the show. We're so glad to have you back. Thanks. It's fun to be back. Yeah, yeah, long overdue. And now you're an accomplished, best-selling author. That is unreal. Isn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, seriously, congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, but I, I would love to just to hear, tell us, tell our listeners like a little snapshot of your book and why you wrote it. And then we'll just dive right in. Uh, okay. Um, it's a memoir. So... The sna- it's basically a snapshot of my life, I guess. Um, but it, yeah, just tell. It's- so it's got your testimony in there, basically. It's your oh testimony. yeah, yeah. It's my testimony. It's my <laughs> my witness. My good witness. witness. Um, it's basically just my spiritual journey of kind of growing up, having kind of an unusual spiritual, religious childhood, and then um, growing up to fall deeply and quickly in love with the evangelical church, and um, quickly out of love with it, and then. Um, and then as I was like having all these questions about church and what we were doing, I was like, well, I'm just going to be a missionary. So then I, my, with my husband and children, we went and, and we became missionaries to Costa Rica. And then um, 
I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and in what way? Damn it, I can't find what I want in the church. Well, what was bullshit <laughs> yeah. about that? About cr- the missions? Yeah, I mean, what, spe- what specific things were you giving you that impulse? Um, People always ask me, like, how long did it take you to realize that, like, things were weird in the whole, like, missionary world um, when you got there? And I'm like, f- five seconds. Because we got there <laughs> and we immediately started um, in at this language school with like a hundred other wannabe missionaries that were going all over the world. Um, you know, they were there to learn Spanish and then they were all going to be, you know, disembarked to all other Spanish speaking countries all over the world. And so we had this orientation where everyone had to be there. And I just, I mean, five minutes in orientation, I was like, this is a clusterfuck. Like these are, we cannot possibly all be called by God because some of these people are super weirdos mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you think so it attracts the wrong by, people if, if you were like, called you know, by god what is does it, it, does it have you? to do <laughs> right does it have to do with like the you know ro- certain roles attract certain people P- police we know police are a certain way school teachers mm-hmm. i find to be a certain way the and youth minister is always kind of a goofball a little bit weird mm-hmm. right whatever it is mm-hmm. well also somebody like you that was trying to get away like you said you you had fallen in love with you know the church or evangelicalism or whatever and you or do you do you think in retrospect, looking back, do you think you were running from that, trying to find authenticity or something with missions? Um, you know, I think in retrospect, I just I didn't maybe see it for as broken as I do today. And I didn't see that missions was, in in general, um, a broken symptom of that broken system. And so, you know, I, I didn't become a missionary because I was running away from the church. It, it, I just, I became a missionary because of some other, like a million other stupid decisions. But um, I definitely think that I thought I was going to go and be different. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a different kind of missionary. I'm going to be a cool missionary <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Like, I don't know. It was so dumb. But then, you know, getting into the mission field and realizing that we were all using the same platitudes to be there. We were all using the same vague language and um, weird, immeasurable mm-hmm. um, concepts, like to to back our our own purpose for being there was weird and i was just like yeah. oh okay there's no standards <laughs> yeah I've always it's crazy felt- i i i had a guy that just kept asking for me to support his mission effort and this was back in the day when i just i avoided conflict like the plague but i realized that missions for him was a way out of the regular life that he didn't want to face mm-hmm. and he didn't want to face growing up and he didn't want to face you know, the regular day-to-day grind of having to hold down a job and all that stuff. So for him, it was just like, oh, so I want to do God's work. And I just, I mean, it's, I I wonder, do you think that that's somewhat of the norm? Like missionaries, it's more of an outlet for them than it is to, to serve? I think it's, I think everybody's pretty messy. And I think there is a genuine, like, I think most people that make the move into missions do so with, like earnest desire to do some good in the world. And then there's a lot of like mucky bullshit behind that, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's laziness and manipulation and, uh, you know, like that white savior complex. There's all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that, that are, that kind of drive that. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely, there's a lot of missionaries out there that are just like literally can't hang in real jobs. This in your, in your book, did you talk about what initially made you fall in love with evangelicalism? That's super interesting because we've gotten to know you a little bit since, you know, with the last interview and 
it's hard for me to imagine you in love with evangelicalism. So I, I got to know what, what was it about it that you liked so much? It was the church. I mean, I just, I was, I walked into the church for the first time as like a um, 19 year old girl with a, a baby on my hip and I was newly married and didn't know how to love my husband and didn't know how to raise this kid and didn't know how to be an adult. I just was, I felt so lost and lonely and out of control. And I just needed somebody to tell me like what, how to live my life. And I kind of grew up in an environment where that I was taught, like Jesus was a, Jesus is for people um, who need a crutch to lean on because they don't know how to live their lives. And Jesus is for people who don't know how to um, make decisions for themselves. And, you know, it's for like weaklings. And so as a 19 year old whose life was falling apart, I thought, well, okay, I feel weak. <laughs> I need a crutch. Right, yeah, I'll take the <laughs> so, crutch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to Jesus and honestly, it was not the worst decision of my life. It was, it ended up really changing my life. And, and so walking to the church and being really fully embraced and loved mm-hmm. and finding that guidance that I so desperately needed, whether it was directly through God or through these other like soccer moms that were all around me. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it appealed like it definitely it gave me life at the time. I have I have one more question and I'll be Go quiet ahead, for a little while and let Toby and Matt God. jump in. <laughs> but uh, what what is it about your experience? And I don't know if that's the right word, but your relationship with God, like it, there just seems we we and we talk to them all the time and we're good friends with a lot of them. But they went through the skepticism and the you know, disdain for the church. And it just kept going and going and going and going. And finally, they're just like, I don't believe in any of this anymore, including God. Like what in your personal story has kept you a Christian through all of this? Has it been like supernatural experiences or just you don't have any other way to explain reality and God's the best thing that you've heard or, or what, what's the, what's the deal there? Why are you still a Christian? Um, you know, I think that's a really good question. I just, I, when I look at the person of Jesus, like when I look at Jesus in the Bible and, and I see how he lived his life and I see what he asked of others and I see how he treated people and how he spoke to people and what he loved and what he stood for and what he stood against. Um, I just, I think that he's fucking badass and it's like so radical and so challenging. And the truth is if if I, when I lean really hard into the teaching, just the teaching of Jesus throughout his life, um, I become a better person and I have a desire to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's never changed, right? That's never changed. All of my experiences, whether it was with the church, um, or was it, whether it was with missions or missionaries or whatever, like God has been steady and the teaching of Jesus has never failed me. So, nice. and, and, and changed my life. Like it changed who I am. So I, I just, I could never let it go. I don't think I could ever be like, that's not for me anymore. And what's it, what's interesting too, is let's, we talked about dirt naps a few weeks ago. Let's (laughs) say that is true. And there's nothing on the other side. You still lived a better life having believed in Jesus. Now that's not the case with everyone. Obviously we know that, Mm -hmm. but for you, you could honestly say, even if Jesus isn't true, I'm better off with this belief. That's awesome. Even if Jesus isn't the son of God, even if Jesus, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, even if Jesus, like all of those things, even if Jesus was just a symbol sent by God and that's it. Um, 
that just feels like enough to me. Yeah. All right. Here's some subpar questions from Matt and Toby. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> well, 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 no, I, I am. I'm not really. Qu- Look, I don't have a question, but I do want to point to. I'll come up with a question, but I want to point to a couple of things you already said that it's, I'm already thinking is pretty interesting, and that's. I mean, it's nice. It's real nice to hear you say that thing about going to church as a 19-year-old, finding it, and even calling it a crutch. I don't think that's bad. I don't even think that's bad. I think that's good. I, I think needing a crutch, finding a crutch, and that crutch being a real thing, the person of Jesus, maybe his teachings, maybe him being a deity, that's all good crutch. I think it would be fine to use because we certainly all need help. And feeling embraced and warm and all that stuff there. And then on the other side, what you're saying, why you still believe now, those things feel really good to me. Now, if you put push pause right there on those things and just stop, I think we're all, that's, that's really nice. Then, if you fast forward from there, you wind up into all the human bullshit that goes weird, off track, off the rails, and is basically uncriticizable. And I think missionary is in that category where it's got a double danger. One is it's far off and it and it's uncriticizable because you're suppo- you're doing the best thing there's possible to do, which is bringing that good message to other people, at which point you're a hero. You're a hero. <laughs> so you get to be the hero, which everybody wants to be. That problem is probably getting worse in culture. You get to be the hero, white savior, whatever you want to call it. And the rest of the church people is the more insidious part. They really get to be the hero and do nothing. And do nothing. Except maybe right. give you some money or let you give a presentation or fund your little thing. That's right. when we get real. And we made that <laughs> stuff up and we can't criticize it. We can't talk mm-hmm. bad about it. You can't say, mm-hmm. listen, and I, I believe this is true or not true. And I don't know whether it's true or not but it could be figured out, is sending American missionaries overseas a net positive or negative? I don't know. That question could be answered, but it won't be be. answered. And it could be, (laughs) we could be better off to not do that. And in many individuals' cases, they should not be doing that. But we're not going to ever say that or address that. It feels too good for us. And I, you know, I'm on this big kick about this for the last you know, 36 hours. I think recycling is the same thing. And I won't go into that here. I'll do that on another episode. You're a hero for putting forth the effort to it. I don't think it actually checks out. If you trace it, follow it, see what's really going on. I think it's a substitute for reusing and uh, reducing use to say you're doing this thing that makes everybody feel good, accomplishes nothing or causes harm and everybody's off the hook and everybody gets to feel like a hero. This is the trap of, of missionary stuff. And I don't... That only makes me sound like a bad guy, and I should shut up. No, not so. me, because I think it's all. I mean, I, that that is exactly what I experienced firsthand when I started writing honestly about my experience as a missionary overseas, and just being like, "This is fucked up, you guys. Like, there's all this. This is a mess. Like, the, we're sending the wrong people to do garbage work, and we're mm-hmm. spending billions of dollars. And and when I started asking these questions, like the response was either other people droves of uh, droves of other people who were like, "Oh my god." Finally, someone is asking the same questions that I have and these great conversations coming out of it because people were brave enough to say, I think there's something wrong. So when did you officially decide to start trying to tear down the church and work for Satan? You know what? Probably as soon as Satan sent me to Earth. I don't know. I'm just saying that's Satan, now you're talking that way. We can't have that because yeah. you're, you're clearly well, bad. Well, one for of the, the things team. y'all are hitting on here that is interesting to me is like I, I agree. Maybe at that time when you're 19 and a new mom, like that. It was there for you, but in 
it seems like in more ways than you'd like, they wanted to keep you there. Like as soon as you started, like they don't want you to graduate to the next level of, wait a minute, I'm questioning this now. Like in every other, any other thing that you've ever learned in your life, at a certain point, you're able to then actually know it and own it and question it. And they didn't want you to do that, right? Like that, that's when everybody gets weird. Uh Oh, she thinks she knows everything now. Or she's, I don't know. Did people treat you that way? Oh, for sure. They, they literally were like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to ask these questions? Right. Like, who are you? Why do you think you're allowed to say the negative things about missions or about the church or about missionaries or like it, it was, it was, un, it was really crazy. It's like cult like really, if you think about it. It is. It really is. And it's that sense Don't of, quit, and I, yeah. I wrote about this too in the book of like, when you're asking, like when somebody says something that makes you uncomfortable and your response is, well, who do you think you are? Your right. only purpose is to diminish them as a human being. Is to right. say, well, you're nobody, so your opinion doesn't matter. And That's just the like, tactic of, of quashing. Yeah, like, and to me, it reeks of insecurity too. Yeah, right, right, exactly. I well, mean, you also, can't it, just, reeks, you just, it reeks. I was going to ask you this. It, it, I mean, as a woman and a missionary, what was that like? I, I mean, like the the power dynamic, patriarchy, or whatever within the church, if you will. What what was that like? Because that, that part of that is some kind of probably. Because you're female, they even push back maybe even harder. Or me, I don't know. What was your experience like? Well, different that being cultures a woman? have different different types of toilets, and she has to do that where all the males could just stand and pee in the woods. That's one. All right, Jamie. <laughs> yes, <God>. absolutely. <laughs> um, mm. You know, I I honestly I never really gave it much attention, although that was always. It always was an issue. It will always be an issue that I'm like this chick with opinions. And um, <laughs> I think a lot of men find that threatening. A lot of like men in the church find that threatening. And they think that they're, they can just go, well, she's just a woman. So I don't have to believe yeah. this. And I've gotten amazing emails from guys who are like, you know, which it's a little bit offensive, but also cool because they're like, hey, you know, I, I, didn't think a woman could ever teach me anything. And I've learned from you about missions. <laughs> Did they forget about yeah, first buddy. through 12th grade? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Your mom never taught you anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your whole, reminds me of Jim Carrey on Dumb and Dumber. Despite what people women say about senior citizens. <laughs> that is wild. Gosh. Well, another question I had too was, Joey kind of touched on it though, but I don't know if you could speak because I've never, never been a missionary. I've never really wanted to go to another country. I don't want to leave my house. <laughs> Even on uh, vacation. Much less than, like, with, like with our band Emory, whenever we go to another country, it always seems fun. And then I'm just like, I don't know. And then the day before, I don't want to do it. And you had that, in, but like the idea of the money behind it and the giving, like what, what was that like? You had to raise your own funds or does the church really help you? Like people, what, what do you have to do for that to actually um, get to go? We, we, I was a support based missionary. So fundraising was a big part of it. Um, and fortunately, the church that sent us um, supported us with a, a pretty big chunk every month. And then the rest of it came in and, you know, like five, ten dollars, fifty dollars, two hundred dollars a month from generous supporters. <laughs> so Did you have to do idea. a lot of work like, oh, these are my supporters. These are the big ones. I got to schmooze with these people. I got to get put on the sad face. Here we go. I got to raise Find this something money. good to write in the email. Yeah. yeah, you really I really I mean, you reach for these stories like what are we going to write in the newsletter? What pictures can I send back? What makes us look good? What makes it look like we're mm-hmm. doing anything that's worth a shit, you know, down here and marketing. Um, yeah, marketing. That's exactly yeah, what it is. And and do you think people so should... you, you tag yourself the worst missionary? Like, does that mean that you are still involved in missions in some degree, just like in a in a more efficient, constructive way? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a brand. I don't know. I, there's nothing else to say about it. I, I changed the name of my blog 
eight years ago when I was on yeah. or 10, I know a million years ago when I was on the mission field. And I, I wrote, um, under that brand of the very worst missionary while I was there for yeah. five years and, and, um, on my kind of exodus from missions. And now I've, I feel like I'm a, I'm like a ministry refugee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I escaped guys. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Um, but you know, and so now it's, it's, it's its own thing and it's got its own community and, and I'm just embracing it for what it is, but I don't claim. Well, that's a good question. Do you, do you still believe in missions? Like, do you think missions could be good? Yeah. Like what about relief effort, for instance? Well, that's foreign aid. And here's the thing is when we talk about missions, like the word missions doesn't mean anything. So (laughs) and that was a huge red flag for me when we got, we became missionaries. I became a missionary and people would say, Oh, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a missionary. And they'd be like, Oh, cool. What do you do? <laughs> so if you're a missions director, you're chopped. Well, it is made you up. In I a do way. whatever I, mean, I want. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean it's bad or good, but we we have to make just, things. I mean, everything isn't in the Bible, and we got to make up stuff. But I just would say, shouldn't we rationally scrutinize it and measure it? To, right. You know, and, like that. Let's at least do that. I mean, do you right, think people right. shouldn't give to mission? I mean, are you against it? Do you think if you, I mean, look, now we're sitting here saying that person that sends you emails about their support fund and sends you sad pictures, should you question it or should you stop supporting them? You should figure it, figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. You should do the yeah. work. Which would <laughs> like, be what though? Like, first of all, read be... your book. That'd give you a window to something. That'd sure. Be a good well, idea maybe. To I start, don't know. But. Um, but do 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 the work. Like do your due diligence the way you would give money to anything else. Like find out what is this what is this missionary doing? Why are they do why aren't they in that country? Are the right per, the they the right person for that job? Are they the only person for that job? Is this missionary doing something that a local could do just as well? Yeah. Um I mean, here's the thing is like just stop calling everything missions. Like call it what it is mm-hmm. and then you'll really be able to ferret out whether or not you're supporting something worth worthwhile so like for instance oh we build wells in the in rwanda or something that's mm-hmm. okay well you can call it missions but that's obscuring the point of the thing you're doing or right. we're handing out tracks in south africa okay well right. maybe not useful or who knows whatever exactly like you can say well what are you what are you doing yeah. and if you know what someone is actually doing and you know what their purpose is and you know whether you can then you can say oh are you qualified are you qualified to do this job because if you're not i'm not going to support you yeah. um if if are you taking something from the the economy or the culture or whatever of the, the, of the community that you're going into. Cause if you're going to do that, I'm not going to support you. Um, I mean, it, it's okay to ask missionaries, like, how do you spend your time? It's okay to show up on their doorstep and follow them around. If you're supporting them, yeah. like no missionary should ever be afraid to show you their work. And the truth is I know so many people who have like visited their missionaries. They were supporting in the field and walked away feeling like, Oh, we still don't know what they do. Gosh. Well, I feel like a lot of people are going to look into it, and when they see the next email from the guy, they're going to go, no, yeah, he's good. He's cool. He's cool, because people like to stick with their biases and stuff mm-hmm. on there. But mm-hmm. let me plant a seed here. Tell me if you think I'm right or wrong about that. There is a certain percentage of actual successful missionaries, and what I mean successful is that they raise money and continue to do it, and that's probably not a single-digit percentage, or maybe it's near there, that are actually master manipulators and scammers and should not be supported. Do you think that's Mm -hmm. true? Yes. Okay. If those are out there, maybe that plant a little bit of seed under you, like make sure that's not one of the ones that at least make sure that this isn't somebody whose main skill is manipulation and fundraising, because Mm -hmm. obviously the best fundraisers are going to be the most prolific missionaries. Like that doesn't necessarily translate to the skill of 
helping other people and the gospel, the fact mm-hmm. that you're a good fundraiser, social media user, right. heartstring right. tugger, are, you know, yeah. those aren't Some necessarily are the same skills. at marketing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but just the idea of that, I mean, like even your own story, did you feel like you were a little bit that at least? Like that that's when you ended up having the problem, right? Like, cause you were like, I'm not authentic or this isn't real maybe. Is yeah. That- I just felt like, I, I mean, I was kind of sort of, I was super depressed and just like, didn't want to leave my house and was not doing, I was literally not doing anything in the field not doing anything. And I could write a Facebook status update, like, Oh, raining super hard today, whatever our, our backyard flooded. And I would get all these like comments like, Oh my gosh, Coast Rica is so lucky to have you. Yeah. You're so brave. <laughs> you know? Praying for brighter skies. And I was just like, I literally have been in my pajamas for four days. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's the other thing I was wondering, like you went to Costa Rica and I think in chapter 10, you just start talking about like, you didn't even know where it was on the map or whatever. So I, that, that is, it's really funny that that is a good thing about the book too. I, I, your sense of humor and that you're self-deprecating. I think that's what is missing a lot with, even within Christianity, taking your, Seems like with missions, people take themselves so seriously. I'm doing God's work. That's why all those people think that, and you being able to do that. But did you even get to like enjoy? Did you feel like you could enjoy Costa Rica? Like you're in this different country. Did you get? Did it make you dislike Costa Rica or you know being in another country outside the U.S.? Costa Rica is beautiful. I mean, it's a great country. It made me love the U.S. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, which is weird, but um, like it made me very proud. Like very proud of the u.s as we're a generous country we are a, a very compassionate country we're a country that's dedicated to doing the hard work of addressing hard issues um which i i, I mean as complicated as it is and as messy it is as it is to you know turn on the news and you see all of the strife in the u.s we are like we are really leaning into some hard things and i'm proud of our country for that um i think you know costa rica is a I would love to visit again. I don't want to live there again, but yeah. it was a, a wonderful experience. And I'm, I'm really glad that I, I got it. Oh, that's awesome. And then the other thing I was going to ask you too, is um, it seems like just like talking about you being kind of self-deprecating and, and giving an honest perspective of what you thought, how many missionaries like write you and say, Oh man, gosh, I thank you for saying like, do you get uh, emails from missionaries or are they mad at you for saying what you say? Um, the majority I get are from people being like, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for expressing these thoughts that I had. Thank you for helping me find clarity. Thank you for starting this difficult conversation. Um, I definitely get the, the, you're going to burn in hell heretic, mm-hmm. you know, comments and emails, but they're, they're very few and far between to be honest. And I just don't care about them. So it doesn't matter. But um, I, I hear from a lot of missionaries that are in like crisis of faith, a lot of pastors too. Yep. who are just like, I don't even believe in God anymore. And I'm stuck in this job because I can't, I worked myself they, you know, when you go into ministry, you literally work yourself out of a real job. Like nobody's going to hire, nobody wants to hire the guy or the, you know, some chick that came off the mission field. It's such a weird, intangible job. And so, you know, they're like, I'm trapped here. I'm going to do this until I retire, but I don't even believe what I'm teaching people. So everybody <laughs> wants it, like I said, to be a hero thing and they're out and you're out there being just, you know, completely effective but is everybody's worst fear true if they would think about it and that is the mission trip that you went on when you were a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. and surrounded by those goofballs doing that stuff that didn't really do anything 
Is it just like that kind of stuff? <laughs> is that what being a missionary? Just that, and then you raise money, and then that's what everybody's out there doing. <laughs> it certainly is for some. It really, really genuinely is for some missionaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then the other side is like, it makes me think of the politicians, right? Like we get mad at them because they spend, you know, they're already recampaigning as soon as they get there, you know? It kinda, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to be that cynical, but it, those things both seem logical if you only think of them logically you know that politician mm-hmm. of course he's got to start raising money immediately and campaigning because right. that's otherwise he won't be there next time right i mean it's just and it's, and that is part of your job as a missionary mm-hmm. if you are a missionary part of your and on, on support then part of your job is to make sure that you are communicating your life in a way that that keeps funds rolling in mm-hmm. But on the other yeah. even side of that is those people choose that role probably to avoid certain things and probably because they want to be like they genuinely have earnest intentions. I'm not saying these people are all mm-hmm. scammers. I don't I don't think right. that at all. I think they're mm-hmm. great hearted people like most pastors. But now their own mental health, I bet, is just dramatically because you've put yourself in that position. Now you're isolated and you're trying to do this thing that you think is the most important thing ever. That's got to really take a toll on your mental health. I believe that's true of just pastors in America. And I imagine mm-hmm. missionaries true. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I would say that's probably, I mean, I would, I, I would believe that to be true. And there's not any, like, there's not a lot of resources either because mm-hmm. you can't say it you out loud. It. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Like if you say out loud, if you're in the mission field and you're just falling apart, you're, you're writing home about like had the great interaction you had with the grocery store checker, <laughs> you mm, know, like but you're, you're objectified as a person, like you're there for a thing or something. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, but, and you're just manipulating your own mm-hmm. life, you know, like on paper so that people perceive you a certain way. You know, it's really interesting too, is that like injury and illness are like a missionary's bread and butter. Ugh. So I, I think there's a lot of like, um, I mean, if you can get like, if you could break your leg, that's gold. Oh, that's you're golden. Huge, yeah. people are, <laughs> yeah, huge if, you, if your kid gets malaria, you are gold. in great shape yeah. for the next year because <laughs> oh, no. like people will just write you checks because they feel so bad that you're doing this work that they don't want to do. That's spiritual warfare. Satan, Satan's attacking the ones that are doing God's work, you know? <laughs> and so there's like a lot of not, you know, there's just a lot of like, a talk about like illnesses and injuries and it's a constant in like missionary newsletters. Um, it's just always coming up. And, and, and so there is, I think it breeds unhealthy things. So when you say, mo- you know, like mi- mission work uh, as a whole is just not a good thing. I, I, I think um, especially for our listeners, the distinction would be, and I think, but tell me if I'm wrong, like uh, there's a Charleston-based organization called Water Missions International, and their goal is to get clean water to everybody in the whole world. That's their goal. Obviously, there's probably, you know, they may or may not be able to do that. In your mind, that's not missionary work. That's we're trying to get clean water everywhere. That's, yeah, aid, that's humanitarian aid. Yeah, and humanitarian. if you're making it a mission, then it seems like, what are you doing? Are you withholding water until you can give the message of Jesus or what, like, what are you, <laughs> why is that a mission? Why is that a Christian mission um, outside of the, the part where we care? For it's the- worthwhile for Christians to do things like that period, basically. It, yeah, yeah. No, it's worthwhile for all right. human beings to treat others with respect and to make sure that our, we're meeting each other's physical needs, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you okay. know? Um, but you get more money if you save a few. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's billion. It's billions and billions mm-hmm. of dollars. A billion dollar. I mean, fifty three billion dollars a year. That's yep. missions. Wow. So wow. a lot of people are getting rich. <laughs> that is crazy. 
Uh, after writing this book, what was your takeaway from like actually writing your story? Did you learn anything about yourself or it was anything surprising about writing a book? I mean, it's hard to write a book, isn't it? It's so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> hate it. I hate it. Is that your last book? <laughs> no, because it pays well. <laughs> Ooh. So bad. Um, no, it, it's just such a process and it's so tiring and it just requires, it's like, and I'm not like a good long form writer. So um, I, I just tend to be, I don't have a lot of words. I just don't. And so finding like, oh, I got to find a story to put in this part. Like I got to figure out how to make this longer. Um, that was really hard for me. Um, but it, it was, a. it's really cool now, like getting the book in my like having it in my hand and just going oh like this is my story kind of written out in a way that I think is kind of sensible and and meaningful and um that's that's pretty neat mm-hmm. yeah it, it's hard too because you're like it feels like you have a little bit of your ego in there too you're like, or, or you think you have nobody cares about this I have to write about you know what I mean like do they really you know when if I'm gonna make this story longer do, do they even care like there's something there too like you feel like you're being, you have a giant ego or something, just like trying to write about yourself. Yeah. yeah it's so walk. Writing a memoir just feels so gross. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, hey guys, you gotta pay $11 and you could read about my story. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so like, it feel, you know, self, self-absorbed, but um, I don't know. That's just, but that's really funny though. The amount of work you did is totally, that's a deal for anybody. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it like the idea of a book uh, being so uh, inexpensive and just affordable is crazy. Like you did a ton of work, right? I mean, it, it really, like you had to push yourself and really remember stories and go back and edit and all that stuff. I mean, there's so much time that went into this. The number of man hours that goes into a book. And I've said this mm-hmm. so many times when I was learning like about publishing through this whole process, like every book should be $580,000. <laughs> Each one, like you buy one and that's how much it should cost you because like editors and printers and interior designers and exterior designers, like people that make a lot of money to live in Manhattan get like yeah. have their hands on these books. And then the author is like pennies per hour. Cause you, you know, put so many hours in, but, um, e- books, I, I don't know how, I don't know how publishers make money to be honest. I don't understand it. Oh. Yeah. Man. It's crazy. Do, the last thing I was curious about before we let you go is, um, is there something this is kind of twofold, but I don't know if you were paying attention a while back. There was some people arguing online about women and women teaching and women blogs, and there was a big kind of fiasco about it. But the outcome of it basically seems to be, or the cause of it, seems to be that women are now spilling out into doing all kinds of more stuff than they used to do, which is great. And it's even because they hadn't been allowed to participate in ministry and things like that, um, it occurs to me is that for both blogging and missionary work, those are both places that women can do completely indiscriminately. So I wonder if a lot of men of women typically have gone to the, and as you do both of those, both blogging and missionaries seem to be completely ungated and places that women can or have been able to go. Does that, does mm-hmm. that sound right? Does that mean anything to you? Um, I, yeah, I get, I get where I, I to be honest, I'm not just, I'm not hugely invested in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's super valuable and I am a huge advocate for equal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a, like personally, I just have never really 
thought about it. Like I've never been like, Oh, I'm a woman. I can't do that. Okay. Um, and so when I started writing, like it, it almost comes more as a shock to me when somebody writes me and is like, Oh, you're a woman. And cause I'm just like, well, why not like replace the word woman with vagina yeah. and you're the things you're saying are ridiculous. Like, Oh, anyone with a vagina can't go do that right. or can't write or can't teach or can't stand on a stage and pretty good for someone and- with a vagina. Yeah yeah, right? yeah. 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 And so it just, it's always seemed so silly to me and it's, I just, I've never really cared. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I'm just going to do what I do. And if that's not for you because you're a dude and you can't handle hearing from a woman or you can't, you know, read words that a woman wrote or you can't whatever learn from a woman, then that is totally your problem. <laughs> and you're going to miss out because there's so many brilliant women out but there. But you don't think of that for yourself as an active battlefield to try and, or anything like that. It's just you're gonna you ign- no. you're gonna ignore the issue in in that sense and do what you're gonna do, and that's the best, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sense. mean, I really am just like whatever. If if I'm, I'll accept the invitations I get, and I won't worry about the ones I don't get. And um, and hopefully, you know, when when women show up and and do the work, and people see mm-hmm. like, hey, this is good. Well, we appreciate your work very much. We think it's great. I, I mean, yeah. you know, and my favorite thing is just your ability to talk. I, it's just undeniable that you're telling the truth. I mean, a lot of people come on <laughs> and have things or books or platforms and agendas, and you and a podcast, it really shows. You are telling the truth about your experience. Your book does that, and this, it, you know, you make jokes. It's self-deprecating and therefore credible in my view. So I appreciate that that well, spirit I- and demeanor very much. I definitely value the truth. I think there's not enough of it in the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, just, I, it's a huge value of mine and, and, and I just am not worried about it. Like what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if I say something you don't like? Not little, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, not one thing is going to happen to me. So it just, it just doesn't matter. I'd rather just be honest. And, and, you know, if we can connect on that level, that's so much more valuable to me. So it's well, been awesome. Hey, yeah. Thank Jamie thank- Wright, the very worst missionary, a memoir or whatever. It's out now. You can go get it right now all over the place, right? Where you, you care where people go get it, Amazon or any specific spots? Wherever they want. It's in libraries. Go get it at the library. Go check it <laughs> but, thing um, out. Yeah. Well, it's at Barnes & Noble. I went to the store last night and saw Oh, nice. It. Oh, that's, that has to be kind of cool, right? It was weird. Well, please thank your husband for letting you speak here today. Come and, on, uh, Joey. Your jokes have been <laughs> awful today. Yeah, you can get right on that. <laughs> it's been awesome yeah, yeah this has been great you thank you thanks jamie we appreciate back. it we'll do it again in the future hey thanks, next jamie. book we should let us give you a, a recommendation what is it called on there a, endorsement yeah an endorsement let yeah. that christian give, give you an endorsement, endorsement. we like that we got left out of that one i know <laughs> hurt our feelings our male way to put her on shredded. the spot good lord i will hey i will put you on the list i think i thought you were on the list i it wasn't really my job to send those things out so. oh I, I, I didn't really want to do it anyway it was just a joke we hadn't made it that's a chore we really those folks in new york anyway thank you jane we sure do appreciate it i really really am glad you guys had me on thank you so much thank you talk to you later all right oh Man, right. You, your jokes were not good during that Oh, that last one was a zinger. No, I mean, man. it was. What was the first one you did? I was like, I can't believe he made this joke. I can't even <laughs> oh, remember. About it. Pe- 
about what? Oh yeah, about peeing. <laughs> about peeing. I was like, what in the world? That men stand up and pee, nonsense. and she—that's the difference in male and female missionaries. <laughs> I mean, look how happy you are about that joke, though. It's a, I, no, hilarious. I'm laughing at myself because it was horrible and demeaning. <laughs> it was awful. I'm like, amazingly <laughs> surprised that Toby would be surprised. Is all I, that's why I'm surprised. <laughs> well, it just—you're right. It's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of why we're still. I mean, it's why we've, we've been friends this whole our whole life forever because. It constantly surprises me that he can go to the places <laughs> he goes point. to. I mean, it's just shocking. He I, can go there at any moment, and you don't know when it's going to be. Like, there's certain times you're like, okay, maybe now will be a joke or something, but it can just shock you. But I'm I mean, also, Jamie I'm also Wright could have been saying, that. been crying. She could have been saying something really emotional and sad, and Joey would have made the Who pee-pee stand-up-or-sit-down joke. So, let, <laughs> but I'm also I'm also loving enough to where I get away with it, and nobody thinks Barely. I'm an asshole, and not always, no. But see, that's what I'm saying. You you do stuff that is absolutely stupid sometimes, and sometimes it's on this side of the line, sometimes it's on the other. And Toby, I think you might have just illuminate something to me. You said that's why I've been friends all these years. I think you're right. Let's think about that for a second. Maybe one of the elements of being a good friend is actually. Things like suspense and unpredictability. I agree. Like maybe agree. that actually is, I mean, if it's a movie, don't you want a movie to do stuff where it goes, holy right. shit, I can't believe Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill did that. They went way over the line and I'm dying laughing. <laughs> or or a suspense movie. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Or you never know well, with Joey. Here's, maybe that is why I like what, you. Here's what's horrible too. That's is, hilarious. Like Jamie is such a sweet woman, super bright, super intelligent. And you guys have to sit there and watch her give me a courtesy laugh. <laughs> like, y'all have to watch that and be a part of it. <laughs> but it is interesting. But see, that's entertain- That's why you're entertaining to me. I like you in a very genuine way, and that might be a good part portion of it is how insane you can be. I like it. I know. That maybe consider that any when you're trying to be a good friend. unbelievable can happen to where I – I mean, imagine being Priscilla. That's what I always thought. Like, Priscilla must just be caught off guard – all the time. So she just goes, I'm going to always laugh and just keep moving. And it's going to be unbelievable because whatever, who knows what might happen when I open my eyes in the morning. <laughs> that is very fun. Oh, Anything people love me. People love me. I know, All right, but that's why. All right. So we want to end this episode by thanking our BC Club newbies. We want to thank these guys for joining. If you're listening for the first time, because maybe you are a fan of Jamie Wright and she told you about this episode, uh, the BC Club is just a way that some of our listeners uh, support us at an extra level by giving $7, $14, a month or whatever. Um, some of them get every single thing that we release, um, T-shirts and sweatshirts, um, but but like music releases and book releases and all that stuff. But you also get an extra podcast episode as well as access to a community of, I think it's like 700 people in this Facebook page that have made all sorts of other pages, Facebook pages of, you know, BC LGBTQ and BC men's locker room and BC women and all that BC Bible studies even going on. So thank you, James. Hey, wait a minute. And also what's really cool about it is everybody in the BC club, uh, sends in along with their name. They, they are really open and honest and sends in their sin. So when you say the name, I'm going to tell the sin that they sent in that they do. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Are are you sure you want to do this on this episode? I think we were talking about doing this maybe next week. You want to go ahead and do it now? The sins. I don't even know why you're talking right now. Say the names. Okay, James Nemec. 
plays with butthole. <laughs> Connor. Connor <laughs> Ferris. Uh, this is interesting. Murder. Oh, Joseph damn. Reed. Stole from an old lady. Nick Platner. <laughs> plays with butthole. That's not a sin. Yeah, why what? is that a sin? Because anyway. they don't wash their hands, and then they infect people with okay, their okay, anal okay, butt. Okay. Yeah. So is this gosh. the last sin they committed? No, just their or, biggest or just the ongoing okay. sin. This is like their biggest weakness. <laughs> Isaac Medina cheats. What, on schoolwork <laughs> or his spouse? He didn't clarify, but okay. I'm going to assume we'll all up. things, I We'll think. follow up on that. Joe Deutsch uh, lied about his tax income and got a lot of money, but thinks that Donald Trump thinks that's cool. Okay. Jacob Lindsay. Plays with butthole. Oh, no. <laughs> we got a lot of those. It's weird. Yeah, that they're all over America and the world. There's a lot of guilt and about they, that. A lot of butthole sin. <laughs> There's a shitload of butthole sin. <laughs> so that's that's all kind right. of the standard now when they join the BC Club. They have to send in a sin. Yeah, they're yeah, send sin. in your yeah. sins. When you join the BC Club, we will read them on, on read the them air. Um, all right. Because we want it out there. We're not ashamed. That's you one thing this podcast things, is but... not is ashamed. If y'all, I, y'all, I'm not ashamed. Well, y'all ashamed? I, I would say playing with someone else's butthole if you're married and they're not married and you're doing it for sexual pleasure, that's a sin. Well, that's it's unspecified. Oh, yeah. no, Joey. Now, you, playing with your own butthole, you there's me. just no, that's your butthole. You lost me. All right. All right, let's get out. See ya.